Hello and welcome to Data Talks by AIM. In our podcast, AIM experts and partners talk about data, the opportunities arising and the challenges that organisations face. We hope you find our conversations and discussions useful and interesting. Good day to you. Uh, Today, uh, we will continue our series of TRG talks um, on the topic of uh, digital transformation uh, with AI, with our partners uh, AIM and uh, Global PMI Partners. Quick introduction myself, my name is Rick Ivanovich, I'm the founder and CEO of TRG, and uh, today we are joined, as I said, uh, by AIM, our partners from the UK, Steve and Matt, and um, also Global PMR Partners, our partners down in Australia, uh, Rob. The format of today is that uh, Steve is going to facilitate and we'll be talking about how we can monetize all that data we hopefully are sitting on and uh, we will learn how to make money out of what we've already got and we didn't realize it, which is great. Um, if you have any questions, please feel free to put them into the Q&A and we will answer as many of them as we can in the allotted time and any the, the, that we can't answer because we've run out of time, we will take that offline and contact you directly. So with no further ado, let me hand it over to Steve Ackland the CEO of AIM Limited in the UK. Over to you, Steve. Great, and very good afternoon to you, Rick, and good morning, good afternoon, good evening to everybody who's joining us today. And uh, as as Rick has said, um, a truly international view. We've got a view from Europe, from Asian region and Australia. And thanks again to TRG International for inviting us along to deliver this particular webinar. And as Rick said, today is continuing our journey into digital transformation. And the important central feature of digital transformation is about data and understanding what your data is. This is going to be looking at some strategies that are possible for getting some value out of that data. Uh, the, the phrase is monetization, so making some money out of it. And that doesn't necessarily mean um, physically exchange of dollars. It could mean various other areas as well. And we'll, we'll go over some of those that you could think about doing. As uh, Rick has already given us an introduction, but today is delivered by AIM. Uh, so Steve Ackland and Matt Smith and Rob Heaton from Global PMI Partners in Melbourne, Australia. And for this session, um, Rob will be representing the uh, the demand side, the business side, uh, the customer, the guys with the information that, that what can they do with. And he'll obviously bring his uh, great experience in that area to this discussion. And Matt Smith will be representing on the more technology side. As Rick said, this is all about digital transformation, understanding new disruptive technology. So Matt will be giving us an overview of the space that we're working in, for example, around digital transformation and, uh, and the valuation of data and getting value out of all that information that you hold. And as they come in, obviously they can tell you a little bit about uh, what they do. So the objectives for today are 
what is data? So getting a, a clear understanding of what we understand by data uh, when we talk about what we're going to monetize. So understanding what, what it is before you can actually start thinking about how you can actually use it. How you can get value out of your data and the various strategies, as I mentioned, that, that you're looking at. And what are those approaches that you can have for leveraging value from that data. Um, and we've got some uh, pretty interesting areas that you can focus on. And many of these don't require much effort, actually. You can actually start in almost immediately in understanding what you can and can't do from your data. But very importantly, it is uh, absolutely vital that you do know what data you have and assessing some sort of value out of it. And in terms of some facts about data, uh, then as a definition, we're looking at really data is, is facts or statistics which are collected, which are used for some sort of reference or, or analytical process. Um, and that can be any shape or form. And the guys will actually start introducing those very, very shortly. Few organizations our experience have a data strategy and most don't have a data inventory. So a list of what you have what it is, where it is, how it's classified, how it may have some value to the organization or to your supply chain or to others others in the industry. And the key thing about data is that, and I won't say how many noughts are on the end of a quintillion, but something in the order estimated of two and a half quintillion bytes of data created each day, and that's a lot of data. Um, and I, I think this is true to say that something like 90%, this, is, this increases every year, 90% of that data is and has been created in the last couple of years. So this is going viral in terms of the amount of data it's being collected. And obviously, data will have some value. Most organizations don't understand the value of their data, and they certainly don't necessarily understand how to go about getting that value out of the data. So today really, as I say, is, is, is a, a journey for you to hopefully explain some of those uh, issues and some of those approaches. And just to recall, obviously, that after people, data is going to be any organization's most important asset. But the key point is that, that and I think this is probably true globally still, um, accountants don't like to see data as an asset on balance sheets. So until that time comes along, and I think that probably won't be too long, organizations have to actually look at other ways in which they can get value out of their data. And as we well know, data without data, an organization can't function. So it's it's true to say that obviously that, that without data, an organization arguably has very little value and therefore with data, it has that value. So when it comes down to a merger or an acquisition, organizations that are going to be buying, obviously are looking at what data one has, an organization has, um, how that data is used operationally, uh, how that value is created out of that. So the, the link between data, assets, and valuation, very, very close. And increasingly, organizations are now being sold, although not officially, are being sold on the value of the data that they actually do hold. So it's a it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Knowing your data, knowing how you might want to use it, is 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 increasingly important. And this these principles have been around for a few years now. Um, Gartner arguably led the the way around monetizing data uh, uh, and infonomics, and, and a guy called Doug Laney 
um, has led the charge in terms of converting this more into a science of approach. Um, but it's only over the last few years, I would argue, last couple of years, where really it's becoming increasingly important and, and data is front centre of any organisation or should be in terms of its strategy and its approach. And some of the forces which are driving data valuation are, are listed here. So, for example, people are seeing the value of being data-centric. And that's not just around using the data for operations and sales, but also ensuring that it has good housekeeping. It looks after its data. Um, it's seen as a good, good custodian of customer data, for example. Apart from anything, regulatory compliance, data protection, cybersecurity, very important for, for safeguarding reputation of an organisation. No one wants to work with an organisation that keeps losing um, or has its customer data compromised, for example. There's an increased interest in, in trading of this data. Um, and I've used the word trading there because, as I said a little bit earlier, it's not necessarily just around um, – getting money or dollars from data, there can be um, bartering type systems in place uh, which which provide that data uh, with some sort of value. The, the classic one which has been around for a while, of course, has been supermarkets whereby a loyalty card, uh, for example, with a customer. So what they're doing is they're giving you free stuff or discounts or better deals in trade for your data and that data is important to them because what it's doing is telling them how you shop when you shop what you buy and that of course is very valuable to uh, to supermarket for understanding what products it needs to provide um, and where it needs to place those perhaps within the shop or online um, how it needs to its online uh, posture Data is presenting new opportunities. It's always important to look at new revenue opportunities and organisations perhaps which are struggling to find, particularly in the current climate, struggling to find new areas to expand into, actually recognising that they are sitting on a potential goldmine of information uh, that can be used in all sorts of areas. It could be within its industry. It could be outside the industry. And some of these filter down into, into strategies that we will um, come towards uh, towards the end of this presentation of how we therefore um, create and take all these good pointers and, and move them into an action plan. The cost of technology for processing data is reducing, um, and this is always a good thing because obviously you need software um, supporting on hardware, and you need that technology to enable you to both um, capture and store that data, and then analyze that data and the technology is definitely coming down in cost which means that it's more acceptable more available to all sizes of organizations rather than just the the big players the tier ones who've got um, money to play with and could go and uh, and buy the expensive tooling and again this is an area that that we in aim have been working on uh, as we've uh, uh, been looking at how we look at data within the data transformation process and then I think also clear to see that um, organisations that do have good data, do analyse that data and use it within their own internal processes and operations um, and have other opportunities for revenue streams are the successful ones. And, uh, and all organisations are always looking at those that they see as a, as a benchmark for best practice or good practice and how can they aspire to be like them. So organisations that are actually doing this approach 
with this analytics are definitely the ones that are winning the day and being the most successful. So all very good reasons and drivers for why data valuation um, is quite important. So moving on to data categories, um, I'm going to now ask Matt Smith to give us an overview from the data. Uh, and Matt, again, if you'd just like to say perhaps a few words about yourself uh, in going into this slide, that would be great. Sure. Thanks, thanks Steve. And uh, thanks to everybody else for joining. So I'm Matt Smith. I'm head of pre-sales at AIM. And uh, my focus is on a particular tool set that we have um, under the, the term data estate. The main one within that um, in, in relation to what we're talking about today is our data belt product. And it's a, an automated uh, data discovery uh, and classification and valuation tool. And we'll talk a little bit about it later. Um, I'm also a solution architect and a data scientist as well um, at AIM. All right, and so in terms of data category examples, um, to kind of help make sense of all those different types that we've got there up on the screen, I'm going to give some context and some examples in relation to a fictional sales system. And to frame it, the two big ones that I'm going to talk about first, which you can see on there as being structured data and unstructured data, they're actually kind of like broad categories of data. And the other ones that you've got on the list there kind of slot into either of those categories. Um, actually, they mainly fit under the structured uh, category. So structured data, that's traditionally your database data. So imagine in my sales system, my fictional sales system, I have a database containing a list of all of my clients. That's structured data. And interestingly, according to Gartner, this represents around only 20% of enterprise data. And if you can imagine data that's in a database is usually a lot easier to sort of access and report on. When you consider that um, enterprises are actually only 20% of their data is held in that structured way, you start to get an idea of the, the challenge uh, that is out there for, for companies who want to value and make use of their data if actually 80% of it isn't structured in this nice, easy-to-understand, easy-to-use um, easy way. So that brings us on to the unstructured data. So that's data that isn't represented by a database. I like to, to say that it's data that's out in the wild. So maybe I've received an email from one of my clients and they've sent me, a, I don't know, a picture of their cat or something as an attachment. Then that's unstructured data. And, and as I said, if you can work out by taking the 20% off 100, that represents 80% of uh, the data that's out there in the wild um, that's used by uh, enterprises. Next one I'll talk about then is uh, system transactional data. So these are the day-to-day the -day records that are created in my sales system. So maybe I've got some leads that are being created and some opportunities um, in, in that system there. And, and that's an example, again, of course, of structured data, right? Because it exists within my sales system and, and they exist within my database. Uh, the next one I'll talk about is metadata and, and lineage data. Um, so metadata, for those Latin scholars out there, is, is data about data. And in the unstructured world, a good example in terms of a, a document, let's say, is the document's create date. So it's not data about the documents, like what's within the document. Maybe it's my CV. You know, I'm not talking about 
you know, where Matt worked at AIM Limited for however many years. It's data about that data. So when was that document created? That's what we mean about metadata. And then in the structured world, if we bring ourselves away from that document and then start talking about our sales database again, we might look at one of the fields that exists in my sales system. So maybe I have a, a client name field, right? And it has a character limit. So I can't give somebody a name that's longer than 100 characters. That's classed as metadata. Now, that doesn't necessarily have value in itself. Like I can't go out and sell the fact uh, you know, that one of my fields has a character limit of 100 somebody. However, it has value to my organization because I've got some sort of validation on my data. And so maybe I'm, I'm starting to take some steps to improve data quality going forwards. So it's valuable to me, even though I can't necessarily sell that information to somebody else. And of course, going forwards, if I have these types of validation on my, uh, on my fields and my, my records in my system, maybe that would help improve the value of my uh, system's data going forwards. So when to sell in 20 years, I've got a really nice customer database there that I want to sell. <clears throat> Uh, lineage data then, so the other half of that coin, is information about what's happened to a record over time. So in my sales system, I can see that, let's say we've got a lead, and it was created last week, it was then assigned to me a couple of days later, and it was closed yesterday. Um, and again, all what we're talking about here are examples of structured data because they exist within my sales systems database. Uh, next one is, is a really interesting one, and this is around, I'm going to focus on open source data. So this is any data that is available for anyone to access. Um, so an example in my fictional sales system might be, let's say I've got an integration. Uh, let's say there's a government website out there that lists the status of registered uh, companies, whether they're filed for bankruptcy, um, all this type of thing. Um, just so that I, of course, as a salesperson, can work out who I want to do business with. So maybe my, my sales system is actually integrating with that database uh, through an API so I can get that data. Um, so that's an example of, of open source data that's available to anybody on the internet. And a good example in the case of the United Kingdom is the Company's House website. And anybody can go to that, type in a name of the company, um, and see a lot of information about them in terms of directors uh, and the like. Um, and funnily enough, that data, I think it was in 2019, uh, that was actually made available for people to use through an API uh, by the government for free. So I could go and actually connect to that database. And apparently the valuation of that data is valued at three billion pounds. So very, very valuable data there that is being made available to people like me with my sales system to integrate with. And then the next bit is master data. Um, so this relates to the, uh, again, imagine my sales system here. We're not talking about the transactional data that exists in it, like the leads and the opportunities, but the data that's a little more steady. Uh, so maybe it's kind of like, top-level data that allows the system to actually run in the first place. So to give you an example, if I've got 20 different sales teams globally that I manage, then the system should probably represent those team names and their locations so that the leads can be assigned appropriately. Um, and again, that's, that's structured data because it exists within my, within my sales database. 
so I hope that was of use. That was a, a quick intro into a few different types of, uh, of data. As I said, it's important to kind of understand that you've got two main types. You've got your structured and then your unstructured. And then we've got a few different examples that we've talked about here of those different types. Thanks, Matt. So I think the takeaway there is that data comes in many forms mm. uh, and in many sources. Slide. And um, in terms of sort of understanding, therefore, the data, structured data, unstructured data, and the various or variations of that data and where that is. How do we define data value? How are we going to start to put some degree of numbers, some sort of fiscal scale perhaps, even though we may not monetize it per se, how are we actually going to do that? So passing to you, Rob, uh, what's your experience? You're uh, highly experienced in trading companies. What's your experience of data valuation in some of those areas up there uh, that you've actually come across uh, and potentially used. And please feel free to give a very quick introduction to uh, to the attendees before you go on to the subject. You're on mute, Rob, I think. Yeah. Thank you, Steve. Um, well, first of all, uh, I'm Robert Heaton. I'm the managing partner for Global PMI Partners, and I look after the Australia-New Zealand region. Uh, we're essentially uh, specialists in mergers and acquisitions, integration and divestment. So that's that's our business. So as you imagine, we come across uh, business data uh, every day, all day, as part of what we do. Uh, um, the screen, the, the slide that you've got on the screen at the moment, I'll address that in a slightly different sequence to the way it is on screen, so please bear with me. But let me start off by saying that from my point of view, your business data is the most critical asset that you've got in your business. And I'm going to give a couple of examples shortly as to why that's the case. But before we do, let's start with the, the value of business. Now, at the bottom of the screen, you'll see that value sold to other organizations. So, if you've got, you know, if you're in the retail industry and you've got data that shows consumer trends and consumer patterns, that's got a value to some of the uh, big data organizations like Nielsen's and stuff like that. And they're willing to pay dollars for, for access to that value. Um, similarly, if you look at data as valuable to your consumers, to your customers, and to your partners, right, uh, if you can give them access to data within your business so they've got visibility of their interaction with you, and, and let's just use an example. Imagine you're a major customer. You can go on to a web page somewhere, and you can see all of your purchase history, and you can see all of your future orders and the current status of those right up to date. Right, That's valuable. That's got a value to you as a consumer or as a customer, and it's got a value to the business in being able to provide that because it drives customer loyalty. So that's, that's how value can be established in that sense. But there's four key 
attributes that data has to have for it to have any value at all. Uh, first of all, it's got to be accurate, right? Inaccurate data is no value to anybody. It's got to be timely. There's no point providing data to someone and saying, well, this is how it was a month ago, because that's not helpful in any way whatsoever. It's got to be relevant data. It's got to be data that's meaningful to the query or the inquiry that you're looking at, and it's got to be relatable meaning that you can look at the way that data is presented and it makes sense, right? Um, it essentially becomes the foundation that you have in any business for customer interaction, for ongoing operations, and as your key focus area for decision-making. Now, let me turn that slightly upside down because one of the questions here on screen is what's the cost and penalties if data's compromised or stolen or if it's lost and i'm going to use a real example of this um, i was involved in a fairly large acquisition some time back and the uh the the company that was making the acquisition had literally sent its senior directors into the acquired company. And in the space of about four hours, they'd taken over all of the core parts of the business, finance, IT, manufacturing, sales, etc. Right? And it was almost a mercenary raid. And I was having dinner with the chairman of that business that evening. And, and I had a go at him. I said, you know, that was that was horrible, you know. What on earth, you know, made you want to just go in there and literally take over all of those parts of the business? And what he turned around to me, and, and I've never forgotten this, he said, Rob, he said, you imagine spending $600 million of your own money to buy a, a corporation only to find out a day later that the sales managers ripped off all your customer records and they've all gone. Or that IT has put a bug into the system and all the data is absolutely screwed up and you can't get access to it. Right? Or that the finance people have suddenly, you know, um, made all, all of the financial history disappear. And it really hit me home because without that data, you're completely lost you're unable to do anything in that business and whilst you can't necessarily put a dollar sign on it per se just imagine for a moment what the cost would be and what penalties it would place on your business if somebody went and deleted your entire customer base and you no longer knew who your customers were or what orders you got in the system or anything of that nature. That, for me, brings that back to reality. So, in summary, it's a critical asset. It has to be timely, accurate, relevant, and relatable. And it can be absolutely valuable. It can be worth more than anything in your business because it's your foundation for decision-making. And if you don't take steps to protect that data, 
if it's compromised, lost or stolen, you are in some deep poo. And that would be my closing comment. <laughs> thank you for that closing comment. Yeah, Rob, thank you thank you for that. And that's a good introduction to some of the areas we're going to cover off as well, a little bit more detail around systems. And just to add the bottom uh, bullet there is that when you have data sources, um, it's not like any other asset whereby it can be consumed and therefore the asset is reduced. It's non-depleting. You, you can send that out as many times as you need to to different organizations and you, you you don't get any reduction in the in the value or the use of that that asset which of course is 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 quite important to uh, to understand um so moving on to um the attributes so uh, rob has already given us a good introduction to this and uh, what makes for data having value and again uh, matt if i can ask you to to bring in uh, uh, your knowledge on this, principally because this is the approach that is used in the data belt tool when it comes down to valuing data. And there are there are two categories there, aren't there, Matt? So over to you. Yeah, thanks, a lot, Steve. Um, yeah, so as Rob said, you know, when it, when valuing data, it's very important to look at its quality. Um, it's also very important to look at its usability as well. So those things are on the, the right hand side of the slide there. So I'll give you some examples just to sort of walk through and explain all these, these different types of uh, quality and usability that we have here. So if I have a customer record, and imagine it's very, very complete. So I've got, you know, in my sales system, I go to the customer form and there are 20 fields and they're all filled out. I might think, oh, great, that's a really valuable uh, customer record I have there. But its value is, of course, almost nothing and this is, as Rob was saying earlier, if those fields aren't accurate and they're not current. So if, if it's not accurate, it's got a completely wrong email address for that customer. Well, I can't contact them. Or maybe it's got the correct telephone number, but it was their telephone number 20 years ago. It, it's not current. Again, I can't get in touch. I can't sell to that person. It's, it's worth nothing to me. So it's not really enough just to tick a couple, like one or two of those quality boxes that you've got on the left-hand side. So currency, accuracy, completeness, and consistency. You really need to have all of those in place for your data uh, to be valuable. And I think it's important when we talk about value, and we've, we touched upon this a little earlier, is it's not just about assigning uh, you know, pounds or dollars value to it and selling it. It's also about the value um, that that record brings to your organization. And I'll, I'll try and talk about a, a couple of different examples um, as we go through to, to explain what I mean by that. Um, just coming on to consistency. Uh, so if you're looking at a data set of customer data and it isn't consistently accurate, complete, and current, then it can't be trusted to a certain degree. And of, of course, it therefore loses a great deal of its value as well. So, you know, it's not just enough to look at a single customer record and say it's of good quality and, and, and good value to us. It's got to be consistent, you know, throughout your your uh, your, your database. And then, of course, as I said, it, it loses a great deal of its value until those records are tidied up. So it doesn't mean that you have a, a meaningless database. Um, it's just very hard to value that database unless you've gone through and tidied up those those records that are slightly, you know, of less good quality. So that's kind of the left-hand side, but really just having all of those ticked, having really good quality data, isn't then enough for it to be valuable. And this is where we come to usability and interoperability. 
so if I have a, this amazingly detailed client record, right? So it's uh, my 20 fields are filled out. They're all really accurate and current. And it's one of the best client records I've ever seen. If that's sitting on a hard drive in a locked drawer, then it's of no use to anybody, right? No one can access it. So it's arguably got no value until it's actually put to use. On the flip side, and, and what I mean by value there is arguably the value to me in my organization, right? <clears throat> I can't use it to sell. Or it could be that it's actually considerably more valuable due to its, its uh, exclusivity, right? So if I then went to a competitor and I tried to sell that client record to them, I said, I've got the best client record in the world. And by the way, nobody at Matt Incorporated has seen it or used it. It's been in a locked drawer then it might now be considerably more valuable because that competitor's thinking, great, this is a fresh customer. Um, Matt hasn't sold to them yet. Brilliant. I'm going to pay more for that. So there's kind of like a supply and demand component here when it comes to value in terms of actually selling that on to you know, another organization. But it's also important to understand that the data must be usable and accessible at some point for it to actually realize that value. So, you know, if that competitor then goes and buys that really, really great customer record, but again, they keep it in a locked drawer, then although it was valuable to me because I sold it to them, it's not valuable to the competitor anymore. They're not realizing the value because it isn't in a system that's integrated with all their other systems. It's not accessible. Um, and, and I think for me also, obviously, increasingly, interoperability is a, is a key driver here. Mm in that being able to take one data set and linking it to another data set to get insight. So again, you know, using the sales or the supermarket illustrations we've been using, um, having that sales record against shopper habits, timings, all those sorts of areas uh, is quite important. You need to be able to combine data sets together to get the sort of insight uh, that you can't get any other way. Um, so some, some useful criteria that you need to be aware of when you're going to analyze your data and try to give uh, an assessment uh, for what it's going to be worth and who might have some use out of it. And uh, and Rob, you're a very experienced businessman, as, uh, as we know. Um, how has data valuation, or if you can add any more to what you've already said, helped you in the real world um, in your day-to-day assignments with customers who are involved in M&A or divestments? I think from my point of view, what I've seen is a, a transition, a journey of how data has been used in many organizations. And if you look at uh, that that chart, it reminds me of, of something that uh, I saw a few years back, which was sort of the the evolution of how data is being used in businesses. Uh, and if you think about in the early days when you know we we used to get management reports and uh, and financial reports, that they were always looking backwards, and and all that report was the only value it had to you was well, what the hell happened? Right. You know, if you if your CFO came in and said, Well, last month's profitability was disastrous, all you could do was sit down and look at what you'd already done and try and work out what had gone wrong. Um we we've now started to use data in a much more uh manipulative style. We're we're actually analyzing 
data. Uh, Matt gave some great examples earlier about structured data or unstructured data. We're bringing that all together into a single view. And so there was a point uh, a few years back where you could say that we moved to a situation where data was allowing us to say, where are we now? And we actually had a, a, an accurate, up-to-date picture of how the business was performing at this point in time. But we're now in the last five years in what I would call more a predictive state. So yes, the data that we've got now tells us where are we, what's happening, you know, what can we, and, and you can start to make decisions about that. It's also allowing you to predict what's likely to happen in your business, both in terms of risk and opportunity, so that you're now ahead of the game. Um, and it, it, just to close this, it reminds me, I, I attended a meeting with um, Nestle in Asia Pacific some years back. And the CEO was being, there was all sorts of people putting up charts and slides and all sorts of things. And the CEO got up and he slammed his fist on the table and he said, I'm fed up. I'm fed up of people showing me information that shows me where I've been. I want to see where we're going. Right? And he likened it. He said that Nestle was like a super tanker. Right? It was a very large organization. And turning it around took a lot of effort. And he said, you can't do that by examining where you've been and looking at the wake of the ship. You've got to be looking forward as to where the ship's going. And that really, for me, encompasses where the value of data is today. It, it's back to that timely, accurate, relevant piece that I said earlier. And it's the best asset that any business has got in terms of looking at their, you know, what their business is doing now. And it's their best asset for predicting the opportunities they've got for the future. Thanks, Rob. Uh- Absolutely endorse all that. Um, we're getting towards the end of our, our session, so if you do have any questions, then please, uh, please farm through the Q and A side of the uh, of Zoom. Uh, we do have one question from Hussein, who's asking about what would the advice be for firms that have poor data. Um, and I think probably we come on to a little bit around the systems, but there are systems out there. We've already spoken about the one that we were involved in, whereby it's a case of. Um, getting an organization in to look at your data, to do some assessment of hygiene, of quality, uh, to maybe do an evaluation of that data. Where is it? What is it? How is it classified? Um, and all those other areas we spoke about usability. And, and in so doing, you can get a snapshot of the data. Um, and this is not just around the valuation per se in, in terms of monetization, we said, but valuation comes in, in various guises. So valuation could simply be how good is and accurate is my data for helping us on a day-to-day operational basis. Um, it could be how uh, resistant are we, for example, uh, to regulatory or legislative penalties uh, through non-compliance. So I think having that idea of a journey, a process of constantly evaluating, assessing the quality of your data is very, very key. And uh, we're very happy to help through TRG any organizations who feel that they're in that position. So in terms of looking at some strategies 
for data monetization. So bringing all these points together, there are three general approaches which are relevant here. One's called the cost approach, the income approach, and then the market approach. The cost approach is divided really into how valuable is your data through what would the impact be for you to, to lose that data. So what would be the cost, for example, replacing it um, or replicating um, the use of that particular data in your in your day-to-day business? Um, so how much would that actually cost you to get a replacement sales, customer database, uh, operational database for efficiencies and productivities. And really that simply assessment that you'd have to make along those sorts of lines. And that will give you a good value. And you can also bring in also things like uh, regulatory non-compliance into that. The income approach, so moving now to how we're actually going to generate revenue from this. And the income approach really is about the contribution that this data is making to your operational effort. So by having data around customers, by people who are in that organization, how much uh, does that contribute, for example, to your sales effort? How does that contribute to the products and services you're offering and making sure that they're targeted to the correct organizations? And then estimate the value of the cost savings um, if you were to lose that data and you therefore uh, were no longer able to apply that data um, into your into your sales cycle or have knowledge around who wanted your products and services. And then finally, the market approach is to estimate the value um, either, as I mentioned, this sort of bartered or traded asset or for sale on the open market and, and who that would be with. So as we said before, it could be your partners in your supply chain, it could be arguably even competitors if you want to go down that route. Some people do. It could even be, although far less popular, uh, with customers. And so they're interested almost in, in, in finding out what their organization is buying. It does happen sometimes. And the income and the market approach are really moving towards how you can actually generate some, some fiscal, some, some dollars out of your data simply by having that data and keeping it in good shape. So they're the five key strategies for data monetization. Um, You can have sub-strategies within those, of course, uh, but these are certainly the ones that um, are most familiar and most common uh, to organizations and certainly ones that we've embedded within uh, within the approach that we take with our, our systems. And I think in terms of before we we finish off, um, it's useful for people to know that there are systems out there that can help with this, make this into a more automated process. Um, So so Matt, if you could just give us a quick overview of the data belt system that you are product expert with and um, how that can work to get an understanding of your valuation of your data quickly and easily and sort of builds on Hussein's question around organizations maybe who are not in this position yet but want to be. Matt, what do you think? Thanks, Steve. So the question, can new technology help with an automated data valuation process? And of course, the the easy answer to that is a resounding yes. And the reason for that really is that doing these things manually is just so tricky and takes so much time. And, you know, imagine I'm going through manually looking at my databases and valuing data. I may well get it wrong because of what I'm going to talk about shortly. But of course, by the time I've actually finished doing that, let's say it takes me months to do, that database has changed in the meantime and my assessment is already out of date. So I think technology, firstly, from a um, 
you know, an accuracy point of view, being able to give you an accurate um, evaluation is key, but also doing it in a timely manner. Rob mentioned earlier, of course, you know, looking at what it was last month is meaningless to you now. You want to know what the valuation of that data is at the current moment in time. Um, and, you know, we spoke about some of the reasons why it's hard to do this valuation. So sometimes the databases are incomplete. That's often the case. Um, you know, you've got poor data quality or that data is out of date. So you can't just assign a dollar value to a single record and multiply it by the number of records you have. It's just not as simple as that. And if we just go to the back to the example of my fictional sales system, if I've got two and a half thousand customer records and I do a bit of an assessment. So I say, right, the average revenue that a single customer brings in is X and then I take away you know, the average effort and value of the salesperson and other factors like the cost of the product itself. Um, then there's a piece of the pie that the customer record itself actually represents. And, you know, after all, without it, I can't actually make a deal. So, but however, though, let's say I do that assessment and I value each record at $200. I just can't conclude that the customer uh, data set that I have is worth half a million dollars. And that's because of all the things you've discussed before. So poor uh, data quality. Um, however, some of it, of course, is really high quality, but it's duplicated, right? So if I've got two of my perfect uh, customer records and I've got actually two of them, I can't value those records at $500. They're still, uh, so, uh, sorry, $400. They're still only worth $200 each. So this is where the technology comes in. And Steve's mentioned this before, and so have I, but our data belt products does just this. And it's actually focused on this uh, four-step approach of uh, classifying, sorry, discovering uh, your data, indexing, classifying, and valuing uh, your data. So I'll just talk you through a little bit about how it works and what challenges people have in valuing their data and how the technology helps you overcome it. So the first challenge is actually knowing what data you have and where it's located. So we spoke about before how only 20% of enterprise data is structured all nicely within a database. 80% of it, again, according to, to Gartner on average, is that stuff that's just out there in the wild. And you don't know what you've got until you know what you've got. So the first thing that Databelt does is uh, goes off using its uh, automated AI-enabled data crawler and finds what data you have across your entire organization. And actually, the slide that we've got up on screen now is actually a visual representation of that process. And this is a screenshot from a video um, that basically shows Databelt going out and uh, using its workers um, iteratively going through folder structures, finding data. And uh, all the different colors you can see there are the, the different uh, file types that it's found, whether these are database records or images, um, audio files, etc. So once you've discovered that data, you then need to classify it. And Databelt helps in a number of different ways with this using its AI engine. The, the first bit of classification is relatively straightforward. So what is the actual file type of that record? So we can say this is a Word document or this is a PDF. That, that's, that's quite easy, right? But imagine um, actually we're looking at some audio files that have been found. Um, you know, Just saying that you have an audio file within your system means nothing if you don't know the content of that audio file. 
So what Databelt does when it's doing its uh, discovery and indexing and classification run is it'll transcribe the, the uh, conversation that's been had within that audio file and, and transcribe it into text that you can then search and further classify. Um, same thing with videos and images, right? Just saying I've got a video over in this location and it's, it's two gigabytes in size, that means nothing to me. Let's say, for instance, I'm an international broadcasting company and I've got a video of a politician doing something that they shouldn't do. Maybe that's worth some money to me, right? But if I don't know that it's there and I don't know the contents of it, then again, it's, it's worthless. And what Databelt does is it allows users to build up models, AI models, of what they're looking for. So, you know, I've spoken about a cat earlier. Maybe I want to find where my cat is within my uh, my data estate. I can feed in 10 images of my cat, build a model, and then run that model across my entire data estate, and it will tell me where my cat exists within my organization. Same thing with the politician. Um, same thing with law enforcement. You know, you can build up models um, such as, you know, what cars have been driving past at what time, or did this person break into a bank? So when you're analyzing things like CCTV footage, phone recordings, and the like, a tool like Databelt with its AI engine and model creator actually gives you the ability to have context uh, to that data. So that's the classification side. Um, you, of course, then need to know what the valuation of a single good quality record is, though, as a benchmark. And Databelt will suggest that based on previously benchmarked data, again, using its AI. Almost finally, <laughs> you then need to understand good data quality. So where are our records deviating from that benchmark? Are they less good in quality? Therefore, they should be assigned a lower dollar value. And maybe we've got some duplicates and they need to be subtracted. Um, and then finally, Databelt will bring that all together. So let's say you've got two customer records. You don't necessarily just want to get rid of one of them. You might want to combine them to actually make a higher quality customer record. So it's taking the postcode from, from this record over here, it's taking the email address and the telephone number from this record here and bringing them together. So Databelt allows you to see where your data is, what you've got, helps you tidy it up, helps you classify it to the degree of actually understanding what was said in certain audio conversations, understanding the actual content of CCTV or, or video footage and then presents to you a report at the end saying, this is what we found, this is the value of your data, which is just something that, quite honestly, you just couldn't do even with 100 people working on it. Because um, as I said, by the time they're finished, firstly, their, their results could well be very inaccurate in themselves because you can't just sit there and you know, ingest and digest everything. And by the time they've finished their assessment, the data's out of date. You need to know there and then what your data valuation is. Right, thanks, Matt. <clears throat> a good summary of, uh, of the process, I think, for going about looking at data and ultimately giving it some sort of value and how you can use it. But I mean, you know, having that that knowledge of, of your data and its status and its location, of course, is a, a, a good thing in its own right, even if you mm -hmm. decided not to go down the full valuation route, um, however that is possible. So that, I think, brings us to the end of our session. Um, I'd just like to thank Matt and Rob for their contributions to that process. Um, hopefully that answer to Hussein was good. We have another question. 
uh, which I'll just finish off or I'll pass back to to Rick. Uh, the question, Mahai Tai, is uh, what do you think about the role of the chief data officer? Do companies need to have this new position to drive the data valuation process? Um, I think absolutely yes. And I think Rick also would like to give his view on this very, very shortly from what I've just seen. But from our point of view, absolutely. And that is an increasingly important role of, uh, of maximizing and leveraging your data. Um, so thank you again. I'll pass back to Rick to follow up on that question if he needs to and to, uh, uh, to sum up and summarize. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, Steve. Uh, thanks, Steve. Thanks, Rob. And uh, thanks, Matt, um, for your presentation and answering the, the questions we have. Uh, no, I wasn't going to add to that one, actually, Steve, on the chief data officer. I obviously pressed the wrong button. So uh, would you like to add any more <laughs> to that one? I mean, Just is, is, is the chief data officer really um, going to add a lot, of, a lot of value to, to data? The, the, let, me, uh, let me make a comment to that, Matt. Uh, uh, Steve, if I can. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. Uh, Fire away, Rob. I, first, for quick answer, yes, absolutely. Uh, if you think about organizations like insurance companies that have got very large data sets, uh, data which is critically important to the continuation of their business, then uh, having a, a chief data officer or whatever title you put on it is absolutely key to driving those values we said before about accuracy, timeliness, et cetera. Right? And the other thing I'll say about that in closing is that that role needs to have a seat at the leadership table. And that's, okay, that's thanks, my... Okay, yes. thanks, thanks for that. One, one, one question yeah. I was going to ask, uh, uh, I know uh, we're being pressured to, uh, uh, to close this off. Mm. Um, the... I mean, Rob. Again, in in your experience, and also also you, uh, Steve and Matt, uh, in your experience, when you're when you're looking at data valuation, because you've both uh, been involved in it, of you know, sort of both sides of the table, as it were, how much difference is there really <laughs> between you know an organisation that's organised its data well and therefore is getting a good valuation out of it, and one who you know, if they, they're not doing it so well and they're, therefore they're sort of self-penalizing themselves because their data's a bit of a mess and, and, and or they just don't know how to monetize it. So what, what kind of difference are we talking about? It's not 100%, is it? Rob, do you want to go first on that? Yeah, I'm going to use examples. Uh, the, the differences are massive, right? Uh, and I'll use... Uh, an example I can quote figures on. Some years back, DHL were shipping out um, laptop computers on behalf of Dell. And they found out that about 14% of the delivery addresses that they were getting were wrong. Poor data. Right. That resulted in all of those laptops having to be double-handed because they couldn't be delivered to the address that had been ordered from and had to go back to their original point. Uh, that meant that they were no longer a new laptop. They were actually second-hand because they'd been legally shipped out. So they didn't have any new product value anymore. Right? That was costing Dell something close to $26 million a month in that 
just that equipment, uh, you know, the, the, the value of that equipment and the loss of deliveries and the double handling. But then think about it another way around. All of those customers that were expecting their laptops didn't get them. So what image does that create for Dell's delivery record in the mind of its consumers? You've only got to look at that one simple example and you can see how critical data is and what value it has to an organization. And really, from my point of view, absolutely exactly the same. I mean, you can measure it in millions or billions in terms of valuations. Um, and it's it filters down not just around, you know, uh, like, like the operational losses, of course, but also areas such as posture, transparency. Uh, if you're selling or buying, then you need to have that degree of, of understanding and transparency. And organizations which are in a bad shape, as it were, their data is not a good shape. Um, can shave off millions, as I say, billions. There are case studies whereby uh, those sorts of numbers have made the difference between sale. And of course, you know, whether you're on the, if you are going through an M&A type of activity, which obviously brings it into sharp relief, the value of data, then on the sales side, um, if you are not in good shape with your data, and of course, uh, an organization who's buying will do their due diligence and find out that that's the case if they're doing that properly and expect to have, a significant discount on it because, as we said, data is your most important asset after people. Um, conversely, the buy side, um, sell side, I should say, is looking and doing and checking to make sure, again, that what it is buying, as Rob said previously with his example, is buying something which is going to be the value that they're expecting it to be. And the last thing they want is their data to be severely compromised or suddenly find out, in fact, that their data is not quite the standard that was expected so um, totally agree back to you rick okay thanks again uh, uh thanks guys for answering that last question so um i hope that's given uh, all our attendees uh, a good example of how valuable data really is um and obviously the bigger the bigger your organization the more data you have potentially the the greater value uh, we have as we said before um, if you have any further questions, please do not uh, hesitate to reach out to us at TRG and we will uh, address uh, any of your questions and we'll be more than happy to have further discussions around digital transformation and AI. Uh, please look to the TRG website to see the future webinars that we already have lined up. I think we have another two or possibly even three more lined up next month uh, as we we will be continuing this series and uh, sharing more and more information about it. And with that, I'd just like to thank yet again, Steve, Matt, and Rob for joining us today. And of course, all of our attendees as well. Hope to see you again next time. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, please subscribe to our podcast, Data Talks by AIM, as we are adding new episodes regularly. If you'd like to offer some feedback or any topics for future podcasts, please let us know at marketing at AIMLTD.UK.